Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Lead us the way of trust. Last week, Pastor Tamil introduced to you our new teaching series titled The Way of Jesus. I'm, I'm excited to venture into this series because I think it's actually a critical topic for the Christian church today. We know a lot about Jesus. We know that we're called to believe in who Jesus was, who he claimed to be, the Son of God. But I want you to ask yourself, do you actually follow the ways of Jesus in your life? Do we practice life the way that Jesus practiced life? As Tamil said last week, the early Christians were not actually called Christians. The word Christian was not used in the book of Acts until chapter 11 in verse 26. And it was a word that wasn't even given uh, to us by us. It was given to us for other people to explain who we were. So it took over 30 years, historically, before we were ever even called Christians. Before that, we were simply called followers of the way. And Jesus himself tells us that he is the way. Now, if we read John chapter 14, which Tamil introduced us to last week, verses 6 to 7, listen to what it says. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now that's been a real sticking point historically in Christianity and for many atheists and many agnostics that Jesus is the only way to the Father. Now listen to what he says. He says, if you really had, if you really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is the way, and we are to follow his ways. Jesus is God in the flesh, the perfect representation of who God is in human form. In other words, the way Jesus lived, the way Jesus loved, the way Jesus interacted with others, is exactly the way in which he calls us to live. He calls us to love, and he calls us to interact with others. When we profess to be Christians or followers of Jesus, we are communicating that we are representing the ways of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Unfortunately, sometimes our representation, and we're all guilty of this in one way or another, is often not based on the ways of Jesus. Instead, we're often representing the ways of religion, which focuses more on knowing about Jesus rather than living like Jesus. So, in this series, we want to strip things down to the basics. We want to try and show you what the scriptures actually teach us about Jesus being the way and what Jesus specifically shows us about how we are to live in that way. Now, th this is actually a really important subject because many of us believe that Jesus being the way is connected to going to heaven 
when we die. But that's not exactly what Jesus is actually saying in this passage. Let's look at the remainder of the passage in John 14. If you jump down to verse 12 in John chapter 14, listen to what Jesus says after he's had a discourse with Philip, and Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus is like, I've already shown you the Father. It's me. He says in verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus clearly articulates that he is the way to life, not just to get to heaven, but to life here on earth. That we will do the same works as he did and more. He's teaching us about how we are to live his way here on earth. And he calls this the kingdom way, the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. And through the church, we're to give the world a glimpse of God's kingdom. So in order to help us understand, uh, in, in order to help us understand this whole concept, we're going to have to start with one of the most revealing teachings that Jesus has ever gave, as far as I'm concerned. And that's found in Matthew chapter 5, a really well-known section of Scripture that uh, has been labeled the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes give us a picture of what Jesus means by following His way. And so this whole sermon series, we're going to spend some time drawing out of the Beatitudes nine different ways of Jesus. Obvious things that he lays out for us in the Beatitudes that we can then see throughout the, the gospel narrative. He gives us a glimpse into the kingdom of God through the Beatitudes, the kingdom that he's ushering into this world through his death and his resurrection. It's the good news that Jesus brings us. And sometimes I, I wonder and worry if we're really giving people the good news. We're giving them some kind of news, but is it good news? Because in the Beatitudes, Jesus gives us the good news. The news that heaven is invading earth to conquer evil and sin. He also gives us several ways in which we are to live in this world right here and right now. So today... We're going to look at the first way in which Jesus gives us to live his way in the Beatitudes. I think it's actually the most critical way. It's the way that shapes all the other ways. And so this teaching today, I want you to remember it as we go through the rest of the teachings, because without the way of trust, which is what we're going to talk about today, I'm not sure that we really can live the other ways of Jesus. If we can't place our trust in him, then how would we ever think that we could follow him? If we read the first beatitude in Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 3, it says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, many of your translations might say, the poor in spirit. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus came only for those without money. 
This is why he doesn't simply say the poor. He says the poor in spirit. Or like the New Living Translation says, the translation I'm reading from, that says those who are poor and realize their need for him. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. This is an important connection that's happening here in the text that often we get confused over. You see, poverty in Hebraic thought was also associated with piety. The word piety means the quality of being religious or reverent, your ability to revere the one that you're following. It was directly associated with how one goes about living an obedient life following God. And so they linked poverty and piety together as one overarching concept. Now that is super interesting. This is why Jesus then connects God's blessing on those who are poor and realize their need for him. In order to understand this, we first need to understand what Jesus means by the word poor. The poor, or those who are living in poverty, often means to us in North American culture, those that lack resources, those that lack money. But that is not exactly how the Hebrews thought of poverty. Poverty is when you don't have enough, or you feel you don't have enough, or that something is lacking. In other words, you can have a poverty-based way of life and yet still have money. Even those with riches can live what what we would call a life of scarcity, have a scarcity mindset. So what Jesus is telling us here directly links to who or what we are trusting in. Where are we placing our trust? Do you live life with a scarcity mindset or a mindset of abundance? Now we're going to get into that in a sec. Now, living living a life of scarcity is often our fallen nature's instincts. It's when we think that we don't have enough. So I I want you to hear me in this. When we think that we don't have enough, or we feel as though we're lacking something, we begin to hold tightly onto the things that we actually have. We try to gain as much as we can, and we become driven by our material possessions, they actually become our identity. Our possessions become the things that we actually place our trust in. Or our ability to earn these things is what we place our trust in. We hoard things. We we save our riches and we hold tightly to them. This is a posture of scarcity in when we're living in fear of losing everything. A fear of poverty. So in turn, we place our trust in stuff rather than placing our trust in God. Now, the thing is, is this this scarcity mindset, this trusting other things than God, trusting the things that we're holding tightly onto because we fear we may lose them one day, this can be a very subtle posture in your life. But it's a very dangerous one because Jesus calls us not to a life of scarcity, but a life of abundance. And there's a big difference between scarcity and abundance, a mindset of scarcity, 
where we hold on to everything, or a mindset of, of abundance where we open our hands and we trust in Jesus. But I need you to remember, when I speak of abundance, it has nothing to do with possessions or wealth. It has everything to do with where we find our worth. You see, the Gospel of Mark gives us a great narrative that shows us what Jesus means by being poor in spirit. And so you can turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, starting at verse 17. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, starting at verse 17. Many of you know this story. You guys know all of this. But it says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So keep in mind, this story is the perfect narrative that shows the difference between a scarcity mindset and a mindset of abundance. Living poor and living poor in the spirit. Jesus replies, why do you call me good? That's interesting. He says, only good is true. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not test, testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done. Now that's interesting because he's fulfilled the law in many ways. He's lived the law. He's lived the rules of religion. And yet Jesus says, there's still one thing that you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and then you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. I want you to notice the then. Go, give up everything, then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. You see, in this story, we have this rich young man, and he wants to know what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus answers, the way that Jesus answers this man is absolutely fascinating to me. First, Jesus questions why he would call him good when only the Father is good. So right away, Jesus is pointing to how this man is misunderstanding God and misunderstanding God's nature and Jesus' relationship to the Father. But he, but he moves on and he says, you know, if you want to 
inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're, you've been a Jew your whole life. Like, just, you know, live the commandments and you'll inherit eternal life. And Jesus lists off some of the commandments. Now, the young man, though, surprisingly says that he lived this way his entire life, which I find incredibly interesting, too, because it means that this young man is incredibly faithful to his religion. He's incredibly faithful to the law, and he's doing everything he can in his own power to live the way that the scriptures have called him to live. He says, I've been doing this. I've been managing and following the rules, the laws of the religion, and the religious practices all my life. So you would think that Jesus would be like, sweet, that's awesome, good for you. I mean, most of my Jewish friends, they mess up on this all the time, so you're kind of one of a kind in many ways. But that isn't how Jesus responds. Instead, he looks at him, Mark says, with genuine love. And I feel like this is Mark's way of showing Jesus' compassion for this rich young man. It's almost like at the beginning of the conversation, Jesus was like, oh, here's another pious Jew just asking me another way to get to heaven, and so I'll just give him the answers that he wants. But because this guy is pressing in a little bit more, Jesus actually feels compassion for him. You need to understand and see this in order to know the ways of Jesus. Jesus has compassion and gives him genuine love. And so the conversation is going to get much deeper. Jesus is going to tell him, out of love, how it really works. This is important, so don't don't miss what happens here in this narrative. Jesus tells him that there actually, all those religious things, all the things that you're doing, there's actually one thing you still need to do. Give everything you have to the poor, and then you can come and follow him. In other words, believing that your treasures in heaven are enough for you instead of your wealth here. In other words, place your trust, Jesus is saying, in heavenly things, and you will understand the ways of the truth. Trust in Jesus, and you will no longer need to trust in your wealth to bring you life. Now, in this narrative, here is the moment of truth. Is the young man going to pick scarcity by holding on to his material wealth? Or is he to choose and trust by opening his hands, Jesus, and give up his dependence on his wealth? Now, we read the story together. You know the answer to that. This young man couldn't fathom life without his riches. He can't shift his trust toward Jesus. And so the scriptures say he goes away sad. Now, Jesus' disciples are just as confused as many of us reading a passage like this. And so Jesus goes on to explain this to them. He says it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God because they hold so tightly to their wealth. Their wealth and power, the wealth that they have and the power that that wealth brings them has become their self-worth, has become their identity, has become the thing that they place their trust in. It's their wealth that they've built their security in. They can't trust anything else. The kingdom, Jesus says, requires you to place your whole trust in Jesus 
as your king. So holding tightly and trusting in the security of wealth gets in the way of you truly trusting Jesus. You see, when you place your trust in riches and power and status, Jesus says it's nearly impossible for you to live an abundant life of freedom. You, all will, you will always be trapped by what you trust in when it's not Jesus Christ. You see, the only way to change this is to open your hands, to give up your trust in things, and then God will help you to grow in your trust in Him. This is what Jesus is saying to this young man. You've done all these things right, but yet you only trust in the things you've accomplished. You only trust in the things that you can control. And you only trust in your wealth and the power that is given to you through your wealth over other aspects of society. So, you need to give up all those things that you're placing your trust in in order to trust me. Now, it's interesting. He says, those who are the poor in spirit, in the Beatitudes passage, those who are the poor in spirit are the ones who have no trust or security in things. So they don't have the barrier of trust that the rich have. You see, poverty leads the way toward trust because you have nothing else to trust in. This is the posture that Jesus calls all of us to. A posture of poverty that leads to abundance. A life of satisfaction and generosity. When we hold tightly to our things, we're never satisfied. We always want more. And when we always want more and we always think something's missing and we find our self-worth in those things, then satisfaction and generosity are just not part of our lives. We need to be content no matter what our circumstances, the Apostle Paul says. So if we're rich, which by the way is all of us in North America, we need to be generous and place our trust in Jesus rather than power and money. We need to find our worth, the scriptures say, in heavenly things rather than worldly things. This is the way of Jesus. We need to become poor so that we can become rich. The Jesus way of life is to learn to trust the Father in all things. Jesus lived this daily in his ministry. He completely relied on the Father to guide everything he did. He literally believed he could do nothing by himself. He could do nothing separate from the Father. In John's gospel, in John's gospel, chapter 5, verses 19, Jesus makes a profound statement about just how much he trusts and depends on the Father. In chapter 5, starting at verse 19, Jesus explains, I tell you the truth. Always listen when Jesus says, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does, for the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. 
In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. That's in the context of what's happening in this story. Then you will truly be astonished. You see, Jesus trusted that the Father would do the great works that he had promised. So raising Lazarus, Jesus' own resurrection, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, Jesus trusted that all of these things would be true. And they were. His entire life was built on a radical trust that God meant what he said all along. That God really meant what he said and he's going to do what he said. You see, we're all called to trust in Jesus. We're all called to trust the way that Jesus trusted the Father. The challenge that we have is that we're also all rich. Maybe by not by North American standards, but by biblical standards. We are all wealthy. We are all rich. We have this barrier in front of us that we need to get past so we can move our trust into, into truly trusting Jesus. And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us into the poor by changing our perception of life. To be content with what we have and to live open-handed rather than close-handed. To not cling to control. You see, our perception of life to the fullest, the American dream, so to speak, cannot be about material wealth. It can't be about power. And it can't be about status. Instead, we need the Spirit to form us into people who truly trust God fully. We need Jesus to turn us into people who surrender our lives completely to him and live open-handed, abundant lives, no matter what our circumstances. Because he says nothing's impossible with God. You see, you're living with a scarcity mindset if you think something is impossible. It's my prayer this morning that all of us would begin to place our trust in Jesus. That is the starting point of faith, is to learn to trust him and to settle into that trust in a radical, trusting way. The way of trust, folks, is the starting point to living fully in the ways of Jesus. As Christians, we often talk about trusting God. We all know conceptually that God is faithful, that we can trust Him. And yet so often the way that we live our lives don't really reflect that. How would things change in your life if you really, genuinely, fully trusted God? We live in a world where we are constantly chasing after more, where we never really feel like we have enough or like we are enough. So right now, I'm going to invite you to take a moment to open up your hands and to reflect on this question. Where in your life do you feel a sense of lack? Where do you feel like you don't have enough? Where do you feel like you aren't measuring up? When we feel like we're lacking something, our most natural instinct is to hold on tight to everything that we have and everything we can get. 
We see the impact of this all around us in greed, in materialism, in fear, and in anxiety. So now I'm going to invite you to close your hands into fists and to reflect on this question. What are you holding on to? Where in your life have you been living in this posture of scarcity? And how does it feel to live this way? The truth is that on our own, none of us have enough, but that's okay because we were never designed to live this life on our own. Jesus shows us what it looks like to live in the way of trust, to trust in the goodness of God and in the provision of our Father in heaven. When we recognize that we're totally dependent on God, we're free to receive what we need from Him and to live lives of generosity and openness with others. So take a moment to open up your hands to receive what you need from God and then hold them open in this posture of generosity and trust. As we move forward into this coming week, let's let our trust in God shape the way that we live and think and make our decisions. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a God that we can trust. God, help us to be people who live with open hands in a closed-fisted culture. Help us to recognize our dependence on you and to not sh uh, shrink away from that God, but to embrace it so that we can receive everything that you have to give to us. We love you and we trust you. In your name we pray. Amen.